I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. say good morning because I know a lot of you aren't feeling like today is a good morning and we're here to talk about it we're here to this is a safe space and obviously of course like you know you can't talk to us about it but you can listen to us talk about it so that makes it safer for us as usual I'm joined by my homies my compadres my co-hosts in crime notice plural Mr. Will Weir and Mr. Greg Manakis this is the free man weave what's going on y'all What's poppin', Adam? It's been a it's been a minute since I've been on here. I'm, uh, you know, happy to be back. Not happy about the circumstances, but you know, like you said, I think this is good for for those of you listening. You know, you're probably going through exactly what we're going to talk about today. It's a little bit a little bit therapeutic, you know. Like, what happened happened. Celtics lose the finals. It's it stinks. It stings. But to be honest, you know, this is the we're recording this the morning after Game Six. I'm surprisingly upbeat considering, you know, everything that that happened throughout the finals. And uh, I'm excited to talk about it with you guys today. Yeah, I think the thing is, like, we were far more disappointed at earlier losses in the playoffs because there was still the hope of the ultimate goal of getting to the championship. And now that that ultimate goal is no longer achievable, I think it's more natural just as a human being to accept what the fate is or what, you know, what, what the destination ended up being, which was a loss in the finals to a team that was quite frankly, just better than us. Um, at the, and we'll, we'll get into that, but I think the Warriors are just a better team. I want to preface this by saying, well, I missed you, man. I miss and you too, I wanna, man. I want to continue. Too I, I, I've been sad. I've, I've been missing the uh, the Will Weir experience. <laughs> Greg's been doing a great job, though, man. I like it when Greg's on. We get to nerd out. So uh, it, it's a different vibe. It's a different vibe. I like it when it's the three of us, though. Now, back to basketball. I agree. Like, look, listen, we can't beat around the bush, right? You, we, the Celtics lost to a superior team. This was, its, and like, I said this to you, Greg, on the last episode. It was it was very quickly forgotten because Boston won that first game that they were up against a team that was wildly more experienced at this level. You know what I mean? And that experience in game six showed they took the best punch Boston had to give and it was a damn good punch at that opening few minutes, you know. And then they were just like, yeah, cool. We've took it. We've weathered the storm this is how you close out a game on the road to win an NBA championship. And we're going to show you because we know how to do it. And that's what they went and did. I mean, to be honest with you, watching the game this morning, I could have watched the first quarter and then wouldn't have needed to watch the rest. Yeah. Because the bar that like, you know, Boston kind of ratted a bit in the third bar that it was just, it was more of the same turnovers, shoot, freeze, score, freeze, Draymond be Draymond. And let's be fair. Considering there's no room protection, they make life really tough in the paint, like really, really tough. And it was just more, it was just more of the same. And I'm not mad. And I, I know people are on Jason Tatum's case. I know people feel like this team needs to make a huge swing to get over the hump, but they were in the NBA finals. Yeah. They were let's... one of the two best teams in the league. Yeah, I, I think we we can we can wait a little because I, I do want to talk a little bit about like what 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 comes next and, and just at a very high level, but not right now. I want I want to kind of stay in this moment. And you know, Adam, you know, I, I would take even what you said one step further, like beyond just last night. I think throughout this series, 
anytime the Celtics felt like they had a moment to to throw a right hook or to throw a to throw a throw a big punch in there, every single time the Warriors had a response. I don't think it was just last night. I think it's throughout the series. That was one of the things because because I mean you look at this. The Warriors, who came into this postseason, who came into this series as the number one offense in the postseason, forget the races, the number one offense in the postseason, they didn't crack 107 points the entire series. Like, that's damn good when you have Steph Curry, who went bananas for what, five of the six games? Like, that's pretty crazy to think about that, you know, your defense was able to to be up to the task, you know, and we know all the issues on on the offensive side of, you know, what happened, the turnovers were killer, it was, you know, we can get into it, and we have gotten into it, we've kind of gone over the remedies, or not the remedies, but the maladies that that have kind of hit this team throughout this this playoff run especially this finals run you really do have to look at it as kind of you know a a a learning experience for this team but you know to greg's point in this series i think it's really hard to look at other than just you know there's two things the warriors had they had the best player in the series and they had the experience and at the end of the day those were the two main factors as to why the warriors are champions and the celtics unfortunately are not so you're saying steph curry played gwen stefani basketball B-A-N-A-N-A-S. There we I go. Got okay. I got it. That comes I got mind. I even put We're it in a little private I didn't know if you were going to go. When you said Gwen Stefani, I was like, where's he going to go with this? Are you going to go bananas or you going to go no doubt? Because that's what I was thinking. I was like, Steph Curry <laughs> left no doubt who the best player was in this series. Like, by far, it was Steph. Um, we could talk about Tatum if we want. But I, I kind of want to circle back to what you had said Adam, about just the Warriors being the better team. Al Horford had a great great quote. Um, he says, this is a good learning experience for us. I really believe it for all of us. The Warriors were on a different level. That's something we all have to accept and we have to grow. And that's something that early in the series, I didn't quite understand the level that the Warriors were at. And we talked about this in the last pod, but in, in the fourth quarter of game four, they locked into whatever championship mentality that they knew they could get to right and they played with this level of intensity that the Celtics were shocked by and for the the last nine quarters of that series the Warriors stayed on that level and the Celtics had no idea how to get to that next level it reminded me of like when I when I was a kid well I mean even now as an adult play a video game you know I'm playing like uh Street Fighter and I'm going up you know I'm trying to make all the way to M Bison at the end of the at the end of the tournament of um you know the, the master fighters and I'm going up against like Balrog or I'm going up against Vega and I'm like how the heck am I supposed to beat this dude who's just throwing these hammer punches at me and is way too fast way too strong for me and then I'm going up against this like spider-like creature climbing on the cages, jumping off and smacking me in the face with his claws how the heck am I supposed to get by this person and sometimes it's going to take you like maybe a couple weeks to get past those levels until you get to M Bison. And then you get to M Bison and he's just hitting you with like <laughs> these, he's flying at you with this flame body and all this crazy stuff. And it, sometimes it just feels impossible, you know? And then eventually when you do get over the hump, you're like, Oh, that's how it's done. But until you like realize what the speed is and what the intensity is, what the physicality is until you learn how to match that and you get the experience to match that, it's just very difficult to do. Uh, and, and, the, and the Warriors are like M. Bison, for sure. And, and real quick, guys, I, I, I'm going to hop in here just for one second, Greg. Like, to your point, I mean, you just look at the history of M, of, of the NBA. Like, it's it's very rare that a team or, you know, when we get to the Jason Tatum topic, like a superstar or, or a budding superstar, that they succeed on that first try. 
there's a handful of examples. And like you look at a guy like Magic Johnson. Um, yeah, he had a guy named Kareem Abdul-Jabbar with him. Kobe Bryant was with Shaq. You know what I mean? Like they, there's typically another historical figure that is looming next to them if they're going to succeed very early on. Otherwise, that's why you always see that stat of typically these guys don't win a first championship until they're 27 years old. You know, Jason Tatum's 24. The Celtics team collectively is still very young. And while they had experience to a certain point, this is where the experience ran out is when they hit the NBA finals and they went up against a team that's now been there six out of eight years and has won four of those. It's the difference. So 50 Cent said, pleasure wouldn't feel so good if it wasn't for pain. Bars. It's true. And I've wrote that because I've done like a really personal article that will probably come out later next, early next week. But I wrote that towards the end of that because it's true. You're not meant to win on the first go. It'll be, be lovely. Like, you know, everybody, like, and that was probably the most English you've ever heard me sound, be lovely. But <laughs> it's true. It would be great to win in on that first go around. But you need to understand what level you have to raise your game to yeah. once you get there. Boston have figured out what it takes. They, they, they've been to the conference finals multiple times and they understood what it took to get that to that next level, but they'd never experienced a championship intensity. There's a reason that Jason Tatum didn't give you Jason Tatum performances. There's a reason that Jalen Brown went from hot to cold to hot to cold because the expectations, and I think Jalen Brown said this the other day, like the level of pressure is different the level yeah. of expect the media scrutiny there's not 20 other teams to talk about 10 other teams it's you and them every single move is under the microscope and when you're young and you know you, you haven't learned to switch yourself off from the outside narratives that plays a part factor in then that you know steph curry draymond green clay thompson they, they've all been here before they know how to work the media they know how to play those mind games and they know how to turn things on Clay Thompson looked like the best version of himself we've seen since he came back from injury. <laughs> I don't know what happened between games two and three, but you know, but by the time we hit whether it was game, whatever game it was that that he turned it around, man. Old old Clay, as far as the way he was moving and, and their whole team collectively was just active hands. I watched a little bit of I rewatched some of the for some reason I watched the, the 22 turnovers this morning. Just kind of curious to see what they look like. <laughs> it's just I don't know why I did that, but uh but they're just active hands everywhere and, and Clay was a big part of that. You know what I think happened with Clay, Will? We were watching game four together. And in the third quarter, Marcus Smart isoed him on the right wing and drove at him like he was lunch meat. And you and I said, man, this is such a far drop off for Clay Thompson where Marcus Smart is attacking him mm -hmm. and seeing like, oh, I can go by Clay Thompson whenever I want. From that moment, it seemed like Clay locked in. He was like, Marcus yeah. Smart really thinks that he can drive by me? Like, absolutely not. And last night as we were watching the game together, the way that he solved the puzzle of Jalen Brown, and Jalen was awesome last night. Jalen had 34 points. Obviously, the turnovers were high, but that's just not that's not something that's going to be fixed, you know, anytime soon. Jalen came to play, but I think Clay understood that if you just get up into Jalen Brown's body, force him left, and make him make all of his decisions going left. And Van Gundy talked about this on the broadcast, um, you know, th throughout the series. But Jalen, you know, he he was unable to body clay Thompson the way that I think Jalen expected to be able to body clay Thompson. Clay was very physical with them. Uh, the last nine quarters of that series and clay. Yeah. I mean, it, it's all, it's as much as the Celtics struggled, this loss is more about how the warriors played better. 
right? The Warriors are just the better team. The, the Adam, you and I were talking about this in the last pod. I did not like the narrative that the Celtics were the better team. The only team that could beat the Celtics is the Celtics. I just didn't agree with that narrative. I just thought the Warriors, once they unlocked that final level of intensity and championship mentality, the Celtics just didn't know how to get there. And it's more about giving credit to the Warriors. Steph Curry being one of the best players we've ever seen. Draymond Green looking himself in the mirror and realizing he needed to turn back the clock. Same thing with Klay Thompson. And then Andrew Wiggins. We haven't talked about Andrew Wiggins. I was going to bring him up next. Yeah, Andrew Wiggins. Maple Jordan was unreal <laughs> in these finals. And it's like, you, you got to give him, you know, you got to give him a round of applause. What, what, was he, he the second took, best player in the series? Yes, by far. Yeah, he so took too. Jason Tatum's soul. Jason Tatum had no idea how to go at Andrew Wiggins by the end of that series. And sh- shouts to him, man. I, I said this, Adam, Andrew Wiggins was the second best athlete in that series. He may have been the best athlete in that series. Yeah, I mean, man, I remember, and I think I've said this before, I remember doing a podcast with Jonathan Macri shortly after the trade. It was a se- completely separate podcast. It wasn't this one. Um, shortly after the trade that sent Wiggins to Golden State. And I swore, and I can still pull the audio as proof, I swore on all that was holy that Andrew Wiggins would end up at success there because yeah. he just had all of the physical tools and it was always an attitude issue or a perceived attitude issue, getting him to lock in. Not that he wasn't interested in playing or he had off-court issues, just getting him to lock in for a full 48. And when you've seen in this playoff series, when he, he locks in, he can he can shut you down. I mean, we talk about what Boston had to go through, and this isn't a Warriors podcast, so at the same time, the Warriors blow. But <laughs> we saw what we talk about, what Boston had to go through to get to the finals, right? Andrew Wiggins had to deal with Luca and then Tatum, two of yeah. the best young wings in the league. I said that to Greg and- last night when we were watching the game. Like you, th- you walk away from this playoffs and you look at the lasting image of Andrew Wiggins is him D'ing up Luka Doncic and Jason Tatum. And bodying both of them. Bodying both of them. And now then he's just like, remember that max that everyone said I wasn't worth? I want another one. And you're going to pay me. And people are going to be like, no. He's going to be like, here's some film. Watch this film. And they're going to be like, okay, here's your bag. It might be. Tatum have that repertoire at the moment. If we're talking about like, does... I mean, let's move on to the Celtics after this, but for about does Wiggins deserve the max? I no. mean, maybe though, right? Because he, in order to win the finals, you need a lockdown wing defender. And he just did it against the two, probably the two most talented young wings in the league. So like a, a super max, eh, I mean, he's, he's eligible for, for close to a super max, right? Because he's on his uh, third contract coming up. So yeah. I, I think with Wiggins, if I were a GM, you know, I wouldn't build my franchise around him. But if I could, if I had the cap room and like he was the missing piece to come in, I would I would think about it because you need somebody like him to lock down the best players. And you just saw that he can do that, that in, in the finals, dude, it was all about defense. Yeah. The finals was all about defense. And he's one of those guys that can bring it. Yeah. So is he, this where he we say that, Go ahead, that Wiggins has his KD moment and joins Boston? <laughs> God, I love that man. I would, I would love to see Andrew Wiggins come over to the Boston Celtics, but uh, maybe we'll talk about our TPEs. They don't quite fit Andrew Wiggins <laughs> into that slot. Was, so we'll, you know, just for anyone that thinks I was being serious, like that was one thousand percent a joke. 
But, you know, with that, I, I do think, you know, and once just shout out to Andrew Wiggins. I, I've been calling him a souped up Harrison Barnes from the original version of the of the Warriors those first two years. And that's, you know, I'm with you, Adam. From the time they made the trade, you know, minus Clay getting hurt immediately. Like I thought it, I thought it made a lot of sense despite the, the bloated contract. Well, well, just real quick, souped up Harrison Barnes or poor man's KD? I think both of those kind of end up in the same place. Oh, I had him as like a <laughs> right, Yeah, that that's probably what Iguodala it is. Probably yeah, is a little bit, a little bit more yeah. of that. But either way, I, I think I think from this we need to transition to to the guy that he locked up because just because that's a it's a huge talking point today. You know, the, the day after is let's talk about Jason Tatum here for a minute. And you know, it's it, here's the thing: both things can be true. Can Jason Tatum and, and should Jason Tatum be criticized for his performance in the finals? Absolutely. Like it's you know it's it's the biggest stage. He didn't have a great series. It is what it is. But at the same time, is Jason Tatum becoming the best version of himself? And did we see him beat Kevin Durant, Giannis, Jimmy Butler? And should this be a season that he and we collectively as fans are super proud of? Absolutely. And, you know, it definitely stinks that the lasting image is this performance in the finals. And, you know, I I feel like I've seen his name thrown around the most since the end of since the buzzer went off in game six. Uh, and while I, like I said, I think it's fine to, to, you know, constructively criticize some, you know, him for, for not having his best moment in the biggest moment. I, I don't want to forget all of the growth that Jason Tatum had this year, because I, I think he came a very long way and fell short. But like we said, it's, it's not always the first time that you're successful, but I, I think he's the next part of this that, that we need to talk about. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. Like at the end of the day, you're the number one dude on a team in the finals and you get locked up. You don't perform. I feel like I do feel like this was probably the most passive series from Tater. Uh, you know, I don't think like he was playing his most aggressive basketball. I don't think that he was looking to get to the rim as often as what he probably should have. And when he was, it was probably mis misinformed. Like, you know, when he did drive to the rim, it was poor spacing. When the spacing was there, he didn't really take it. But what we saw was Jason Tatum embrace being an offensive metronome. We saw him setting dudes up. We saw him become a screen and roll guy a little bit. We saw him become somebody that can operate off ball. In that first quarter, one of his first, I think it was his first three, he sets a screen, relocates off ball, gets the free, hits it. That's something you, didn't, you wouldn't have seen from Tatum 12 months ago. He, he's averaging, his assist averages have gone up. And all of a sudden, Jalen Brown has become this just lights out guy. And he was that last season as a catch and shoot guy. But, and I've said this multiple times, Boston doesn't have the player personnel to put Tatum and Brown in a two-man action because there's no one else out there that you can really consistently hit with a pass if the defense takes you both out. But now all of a sudden, you can have a two-man action on opposite ends of the floor because Tatum can find that pass. He can thread that needle. There's been huge growth from him. Did he underperform? Yeah. Did he show a little bit of immaturity in the way he dealt with the referees? Of course. Could his shoulder have been a problem? Definitely. Do do we need to criticize him? I'm not so sure because I feel like there's going to be enough internal criticism from the coaching staff that he's going to develop no matter what. Like I'll come on Twitter this morning. First thing I see is people making mock-ups of Deuce, like, you know, and, like, using Deuce as a way to kind of, like, criticize and belittle Tatum. And I'm like, dude, man, like, 
I, I, is this how far we're stooping? Like, these are Celtics fans that are doing this. Yeah, but those, 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 I, don't, I don't even want to acknowledge them. That's all the troll BS that, like, yeah, man, they, they, don't, they don't even they don't even deserve mention on this platform, in my opinion. The problem, my problem is, like, people remember that when it comes time to sign a contract. People remember that. And so I'm just like, man, yeah, if you've got a criticism, fine, but make sure it's for valid reasons, not being aggressive enough, being a little bit too passive with the ball, being too happy to argue with the refs and not get back on defense not being as locked in as you should be but don't criticize him for not be, not being a champion like because there was 14 other guys on that roster that have ended the season without a ring too yeah and with the with the trolls you know we, we can rise above that because you know what what will get him to sign his contract to stay in boston is is this podcast right here he's gonna <laughs> listen to this he's gonna be like oh these dudes know what they're talking about yeah he's gonna know, be he, like these are my boys these are my, these my boys no I, I i just you know with tatum I don't. I would never drag a player. I would never excoriate a player for their performance in in an NBA Finals. I think constructive criticism is fine, and that's what we do. Like we're we're um, you know we're basketball personalities. We're analysts of the game, and that's what we get paid to do. You know, we talk about it. And I think with Tatum, if I had to give him like one thing to work on over the summer, one I, I, I'll give him a couple. The floater. <laughs> he needs to develop that floater. Right. He, he worked on it last year. We saw a lot of that floater and we didn't see it almost at all in these playoffs. And I'm not really sure why he just completely abandoned that from his game. It was either trying to finish over the top of people or around more. Over, he was trying to finish around people, not over the top of people. Um, I would try to work on finishing over the top of people more and getting back into that. That was one of the things Will and I were just we couldn't believe what was happening last night. And I said it on one of the very first possessions. Jason Tatum had a fast break one-on-one against Raymond Green. And I said, this is a huge moment right here. And Tatum missed that first layup. And I was like, oh, no, this isn't this isn't his game. He needed to show something different. And it, it was like a mental block for him. He went to that Euro step every single time he was driving to the basket yeah. in that type of situation. They basically suckered him into it at certain points because they, 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 they wanted him to do it. At, it was at crazy. And, like, I, I've been there before where, like, I'm not in the NBA Finals, but, like, where I'm, <laughs> I'm playing a game and I'm like, okay, I know I shouldn't do a crossover into a spin move, but for some reason in my brain, I end up doing a crossover into a spin move. I'm like, man, I should have done something different there. But sometimes it's just like whatever you've been working on, whatever you've trained so many times to do in the greatest moment, your body is going to remember remember that. It's going to have muscle memory and it's going to revert back to it. And I think Tatum needs to figure out a way to just get out of that habit of going to that Euro step and saving it for certain situations. And then finally, I, I've said this from the beginning of his career, I think his shot needs to be a little bit quicker in the in the, in the Worst moment last night for Jason Tatum. He got that ball in the corner. Andrew Wiggins is closing out. And like when you compare the way Tatum shoots to the way Brown shoots, especially off of screens, Brown is just like pogo stick, lets it fly. Tatum hesitates for a second, jab steps, travels, right? Where if, if, if his shot was just a little bit quicker, maybe he wouldn't worry about Andrew Wiggins, this crazy athlete running at him. He'd be able to get that thing off. Um, but I, you know, those are three things I'd work on if I were Tatum. But overall, I think Tatum had a heck of a playoff run. Super proud of that dude. 46 points, game six against Milwaukee in Milwaukee to bring the Celtics back home for game seven. Um, You know, as Will said, he beat Kevin Durant, beat Giannis, beat Jimmy Butler, and then he just ran into a buzzsaw on the Warriors. So, JT, we love you. Don't worry about the trolls. 
Yeah, it's, you know, it, it, like I said, it's going to be, there, there's no way around it. We're, we're going to hear this is part of the narrative of Jason Tatum going forward is that he didn't show up in the finals one way or another. Like, I guarantee it's just, it's going to be something that comes up next season as we look into, you know, talking about who the best players in the league are, who's this or that, who do you believe in? It's going to happen. And you know what? That's, that's part of the journey. You know, LeBron went through a bunch, almost every player has gone through that, especially when they lose in the finals. And so it is what it is, but Greg, you mentioned something about like, you know, that, that muscle memory, right. And in collectively that made me think of just the Celtics running out of steam is that I feel like, especially on the offensive end, we saw a lot of those, older you know bad habits kind of kind of creep up when they got tired and they just ran out of like i don't know what to do right now and like i, I know i shouldn't drive it like if you're this is just jalen brown for example like hey I, I don't know if i should drive into this crowd without really a plan of what i'm going to do but i'm going to do that because that's what i have done in the past and then i'm going to spin around and throw the ball out wildly or, or attempt something that i don't know wh- what's going to happen and i think collectively the celtics just got to that fatigue point where some of the muscle memory of of these bad habits did did kind of creep up and you know when you look back we've been playing pretty much a eight eight and a half man rotation since mid-january and by the time we got to the finals what were we down to about a six and a half man rotation that we could reliably count on like that's that's really tough to do and and so i think you know when i look at tatum i look collectively at this team yeah, it, it it this and this is me kind of kind of transitioning us, I think, to like what comes next. Like, this team needs some more support. Like, I think it's just really hard. And, and I started saying this when Ime went all in on that eight nine man rotation. It was like this is great. We found ourselves. We have an identity. That's really hard to sustain from mid January to mid June. And I think you started to see that obviously as we got later into these playoffs, and especially as, as we went to two seven game series just to get where we are. And so, you know, I, I'm curious. I, I have two I have two questions that are really brewing in my head right now. Number one, what do you think is the lesson, whether it's from the series or from this playoff run, that you think is is most important to the Celtics? And then number two, I think we should talk about where we go from here. But I'm well, curious about that first question. Well, before, before we do that, can you tell Adam, because we were watching the game together, that moment that you're talking about that you I know you're thinking about with Jalen at the end of the game, what happened when Jalen fell down? Oh, what, yeah. what I had said right before that. So this is right around, I don't know, I don't know if this is the end of the third or, or beginning of the fourth. fourth. It was the fourth. Yeah, it was the fourth when the Celtics were making their kind of last stand. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I I think it was funny. I can't remember exactly what, what Greg had said. I think you said something like. I said, J, JB, take us home. Yeah, JB, take us home. We're probably down about nine at this point or so. And immediately Jalen Brown probably trips over himself for about 40 feet and throws the ball out of bounds. It was so it was just like oh that, that's the fatigue right there. Like Jalen gets the ball. I'm trying to will us through the TV to like have one last shot of adrenaline to take yeah. us home. And literally, Jalen catches the ball on the break. I go, JB, all right, take us home. One dribble, yeah. trips, and just throws the ball to bounce. We ended up on getting the, the ball on the back. Left wing, but yep. Will Will lost. It. He started dying <laughs> laughing. He's like, Yeah, that's really taking us home. Uh, but it was it was it was just a moment. It was just like, yeah, these the Celtics are exhausted. They're gassed. They don't have anything left in them. That, and that's the downside with having the shortened rotation. So for me, I think the biggest lesson you need to learn from this in terms of the roster you have, and by the way, I'm very jealous that you get to experience games together. Um, One day, so, Adam, we'll all be together. Oh, man, it's, it's soon come. Um, yeah, I think the biggest lesson for me is roster construction. You, you need 
And I'm going to be honest here, and that'll lead us into the next part, and it'll also lead us into the next few episodes of the podcast. But you need a back, you need somebody that can give you genuine rim running minutes when Rob Williams is in on the floor. That was a huge downside. Like Rob's impact was so big, but every time he come off the floor, or you know, early in the series when he didn't look himself. didn't really have anywhere to go and then you have to change your entire play style and obviously you're most impactful when you have somebody at the rim that's gonna alter shots so having someone that's a viable backup for rub that gives you similar production in terms of altering shots lob threat running the floor setting good screens that's vastly important and i think he also proved that you do need one more wing you're a wing yeah greg's just put it in there i was putting this in the celtics legends chat this morning that's exactly who i'm thinking of and we'll talk about that in a moment just to keep the suspense and then you need you need a wing you need somebody that's going to play d and shoot the free ball at a reliable clip that you can put in there when jb or jt need a rest and to just take a bit of load off their shoulders those two things to me are the most prominent and now i see people saying we need a point guard we need a point guard. Marcus Smart in his first year as the team starting point guard led you to the NBA Finals. Name me a, name me another point guard that is a playmaking point guard, not named Chris Paul, because none of them are Marcus Smart. Because then who are you looking at, really? You're not going to get Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, who else did I have on my list of playmaking point guards? My head's gone blank. Um, they'll come back to me and then I'll carry on this rant, but I'll, I'll let someone else take it while they come back to me. <laughs> So for the lesson, I'm going to give Ime a lesson, right? Uh, first year head coach, obviously amazing job leading this team to the finals. But if there's one thing he can learn from like maybe in a conversation with Brad Stevens or, or, or watching tape of how Brad handled the regular season in the past, the regular season has to be more experimental for Ime. You know, he he doubled and he we had to. We were in 11th place in, 11th place in January and we needed to get the ball rolling. But he completely stopped experimenting and really didn't experiment at all this season. And when you look at the roster and what we had, there was one guy left on the roster that could have potentially made an impact, which was Aaron Neesmith. And he didn't give Neesmith a chance at all this year. Um, so I'm not saying Neesmith would have made a difference, but in general, for Ime, I think he needs to look at the regular season more as experimentation. It seemed like the only time Ime would really go deep into his rotation was on the second night of back-to-backs. And yeah, that's that's one moment in which you can. But even like Steve Kerr, like some guys on the Warriors roster that didn't play in the finals, like Damian Lee, they they played significant minutes for the Warriors Moody, in the regular season. Kaminga. Moody, yeah. Every time I would turn on the Warriors, I'd be like, oh, Moody's in the game. Oh, Kaminga's in the game. Oh, Lee's in the game. Really interesting. And for the Celtics, it was just the same eight or nine guys every single night. And every once in a while, you'd see Aaron Neesmith in the game. And it didn't really make sense when he was in the game. Um, so I think for Ime, the lesson I would learn is you look at the fatigue that your guys felt in this finals. And you look how you had you were missing one last piece, one last button to push. Well, you know, experiment with those buttons during the regular season and hopefully you'll be able to find a moment. And this is Will, you were talking about this a lot in the re- in the regular season. You were talking about Sam Hauser though. 
right? You were like, we should throw Sam Hauser out there randomly because we might need him in the finals. And and who knows, man? Like maybe yeah. Sam Hauser's shot yeah. could have been could have been a difference maker. You never know. So I think just experimenting more in the regular season is less than I would say. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the end of our bench, and it, we've joked about this a couple times, like the three of us could have been on that bench. Like Malik Fitz, Juwan Morgan, Nick Stauskas, they could have been the three of us. Like it, it honestly, and it wouldn't have made a difference. We could have podcasted from the bench. We could have done the playback rooms from the bench. And, you know, other than Malik Fitz celebrations, which I think if I had enough practice, I could, you know, give him a run for his money. Like it would have been the same exact experience. So I, I think those are all, you know, extremely valid points. I think, I think for me, when, uh, you know, when, when I look back at, at this playoff run, it's the importance of, of each game, not just the closeout games or the elimination games. It's, you know, the, the, the game one against the Bucks, the game three against the Bucks when it's when there's an opportunity to steal a game that you shouldn't that will then allow you to close that series out earlier. It's showing up for those quarters against the Heat that allowed for them to extend that series. And, you know, you wonder, like you said, I, I think the reality we live in, the Warriors were better. Maybe they were always better. But maybe this is like the, you know, an MCU Thanos type world where, yeah, the Warriors win, you know, 14 million 65 times. But maybe there's a 14 million 66th time where if the Celtics had closed out the Bucks in six, closed out the Heat in five, they're a little bit more rested. They're a little bit more energized. They have, you know, a different a different pep to their step. Rob Williams, who who was fighting through injuries and was really helped out by this break, maybe he's even a little bit healthier. We talked about the impact he had. So I, I think for me, as I think Greg's trying to catch flies in his room, which is highly distracting. <laughs> Did you get it? Damn it. I got it, and then it just flew away. So I've just got Mr. Miyagi with the chopsticks in my head. <laughs> I caught it. It was in my hand, dude. This mosquito's been biting me for hours. Well, uh, yo, so it's so super warm now. here lately. Like, uh, <laughs> And, dude, some of the spiders I've seen today have just been gnarly, man. I don't even remember what I was my, saying. My, my bad, dude. My bad. <laughs> this thing, I, I just saw it flying at me. I was like, this this guy has no idea that I see him and I'm about to grab him. <laughs> I reach up, catch him, open my hand, and he just does a little, you know, the mosquito who's still alive thing where he, like, wiggles a little bit and just takes off. I mean, dude, you can't see mosquitoes. They're, like, camouflage. So, I don't know. <laughs> we don't have mosquitoes here. Oh, you're lucky. Right, I, I, I need to move there then. Yeah, I have, I have like, 17 mosquito bites from So, it's 86 here days. today. And people are acting like the world is on fire. I'm like, dude, this is nice, man. Yeah, 86 is beautiful here. Usually it's 100 degrees where Greg and I live. Like, once yeah, I'm, like, see, I'm down for that. Dude, give me that every day and I'm down. People <laughs> here, it's 86 degrees. I had my mom call me. She's like, yeah, I'm dying so hot. I'm like, it's not hot. It's just warm. <laughs> You're just not used to it. <laughs> you know what I mean? But we've seen some gnarly spiders because of it. But what I, I understand what you were saying, you know, the importance of closing out series early. That was yeah. pretty much the point you were making, right? Yeah, like, taking advantage of the opportunities when they're there, knowing that they're going yeah. to impact your ultimate goal. You know what I mean? Like, like it's not yeah. just, oh, hey, this is the second round. Our goal is just to win this series. It's like, yeah, it's to win this series, but with the intention of being ready and still having the energy, the stamina to go ahead. And that also plays into, you know, the short rotation, which I, I think leads into, you know, the second question of, like, where do we go from here? And, and I think for me... You know, I, I think Keith Smith, who we've, we've had on this show as well as on Greg and I's show uh, over on the 617 podcast, you know, he, he's kind of the cap guru that I feel like we all kind of look to when we're like, all right, what, what's really going on? What's available here? What's not available? And one of the things that stuck with me is that, and I don't know if he has inside knowledge of this, but that when he talks about this ownership group 
willing to pay the tax. And he had talked about if he, if this team, if they think this team has a chance to win, they'd be willing to pay it. Now at the trade deadline, I don't know if anybody was ready to quite feel like they were in that in, in that conversation yet. And so, you know, you can look back, Bobby Manning of CLNS me, uh, mentioned this a few days ago, like looking back on it, you could have theoretically put Derek White into the TPE, kept Josh Richardson. If really the Spurs just wanted the draft picks, they weren't as concerned about Josh Richardson. Maybe they really like Josh Richardson. I don't know. But, you know, there potentially is a world where that exists and you have that other body to go along with everything that we're saying. But I think now, as you look to this offseason, I think the pressure is on the ownership group. And then if they give the green light, then it's on Brad Stevens to go fill out this roster because they need help. Like they need, they can't have us three at the end of the bench. Like they need to have other guys that you can, that, that you can put into this game. And so, you know, they have a couple of TPEs that expire in the next month. And so it's a quick turnaround, but you know, I, I'm really looking at this ownership group, cut all the BS about we don't want to pay the tax. Like this team's in game six, of the NBA finals, you bought a team for 360 million in 2002. It's worth 3.5 billion. Cut the BS with, you don't want to pay the tax. This is a team worth paying the tax for. And I think the pressure's on them to, to open up the pocketbook. So with that, I'm going to give you two names and we're going to do deeper dives on these along with other candidates next week. The two names I have, uh, center JaVale McGee, move off of Daniel Tice, bring in JaVale McGee, and on the wing, Caleb Martin, both of which are going to be relatively cheap in the grand scheme of the NBA. JaVale McGee, yeah, he's prone to some boneheaded plays, but he's a rim runner, can alter, the, um, alter people's shots, can give you vertical spacing when Rob's not on the floor. Caleb Martin, free and D guy, legitimate, comes from heat culture, whatever. In terms of paying the tax and using the TPE and all that other beautiful stuff, like I, I'm, I'm all for it, but I, I definitely want it to be the right moves, right? Like, because if you're going to bring somebody in for the TPE, then you and we can look at TPE candidates. We can actually we can do an episode, bring Keith on, and we'll, we'll do that. But if you're going to bring in somebody on the TPE, it you don't want to spend it for the sake of spending it. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, when you look in your bank account sometimes and you're like, oh man, I've got a few hundred dollars more than I thought I did. It's almost the end of the month. I, I'm doing like, you know, and then you're like, let me go buy them sneakers I wanted. And you're treat, buying them. Treat yourself. Yeah. Treat <laughs> yourself. When really what you should be doing is be like, yo, let me invest this and see if I can turn it into what, and you know, that's what you should be doing, but you never do. Right. Now, you can't invest the TPE, it's going to expire. But if you spend it for the sake of spending it, that regret phase, like I've got tattoos on my body, and I'm like, I bought it. Because <laughs> I, I'm like, dude, I've got one on my neck, and it, it's just no regrets. Cool. Yeah, like I've got one. I, I remember being drunk and being in Nottingham and uh, literally walking into a, um, a tattooist, like, we tattoo me if I'm drunk. He's like, Yeah, I'm like, I want a barcode with my initials and my date of birth underneath it. So on my neck. But as I've got older, it's just become a blob with my initials and my date of birth. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that was, I spent money because I had it at the time. And I was like, yo, let me spend, I bought, I paid, I had it just to have it. And let that be a cautionary tale to you, Brad Stevens, who is definitely listening to this show. Don't spend it just to spend it. Make sure it's somebody that's genuinely going to improve this roster. Now, For with sure. that said, Brad hasn't made a bad move yet. So Brad is God. For sure. 
Yeah, I think McGee would be a great person to add. Just one name off the top of my head. I don't know what his uh, status is going to be next year in terms of ability to play because of his injury. But Joe Ingles would be a guy that I'd look into just as a veteran off the bench that could run, pick, and roll, be able to be a you know table setter for the Jays. I think he'd probably come in and be the most adept pick and roll person on this roster immediately. And the fact that he's six foot seven, six foot eight, can shoot the three a little bit. Um, you know, you wouldn't be asking him to come in and play 35 minutes. You'd be asking him to come in and play about 20 minutes. And you hope that now that the Celtics have made it this far, there'll be some veterans that will come in on a cheaper deal that will just help fill out this roster. And I'd love to see Joe Ingles on the Celtics and yeah. have the Jays be able to play off of them. I think he's the type of guy that I would bring in for sure. Yeah, I'm, I would echo that. I'd echo actually both the JaVale McGee and the Joe Ingles. I don't know if we'll be able – I think Joe Ingles will probably be out for a substantial portion of next year if I, if I remember his injury correctly. But I, I think the mindset's exact. Like that type of wing who's solid and like, – like here's the thing. We can acknowledge – the, the offense was was ultimately what fell short in this finals. Like we, oh, we need sure. some other ways to play make to score. We need another someone else that can that can score a few points and, and be reliable in that scenario. Like Joe Ingles is a guy I think that, you know, that type that really Joe, that Joe Ingles. Team. Well, you know who Joe Ingles reminds me of a little bit is he do Tergaloo. Like he does okay. um, a far better player, but just that big wing that can yeah. run a reliable pick and roll and see over the defense and make those, you know, cross court passes. Like yeah. We don't have anybody on the Celtics that can run and pick and roll reliably. Like Tatum got better at it. Marcus is okay at it. Um, but other than that, we don't have that guy. And it's crazy. Yeah. Like when you watch other teams, you're like, oh, every other team has a guy that they can go to and pick and roll. And the Celtics, like we tried it with Tatum, you know, and Tatum's okay at it, but he's, he's, he's not efficient in that and yeah i think he he will be eventually but i would like to see somebody come in that we could just like take the ball out of tatum's hands for a little bit and just let him do his thing and to adam's point that he's made all year let jalen brown be that play finisher and just have him play off the ball yeah one final the player types go ahead adam one final thing the and please take this how it's intended which is a joke for the listeners the number one missing piece on this Boston Celtics team during the finals was Romeo Langford. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wait, Romeo. Romeo could have played in these playoffs. He's yeah, sure, and and he is kind of the style of player of, of theoretically how we how we like we haven't necessarily seen it on the court, but of what we think he could be is kind of what we're looking for, right? Come back to Boston, Romeo! (laughs) Trying to get that hype train going. But no, it's going to be an interesting offseason. And and, yeah, the the offseason comes quickly, guys. Like the draft. I mean, mean, it's here, but like, it's like you said, you know, like like talking about TPEs and who fits and how we, we, you know, finish off this championship caliber team, how we find those finishing pieces. Like, it's going to move really quickly. And you've already seen trades go down. The Christian Wood trade happened the other day. Like you're already seeing pieces move. So, you know, it's, uh, it's tough for the season to end this way, but we'll on to the next one. Would you do, this is just a theoretical. If you want to play making guard with some size that can play off ball, would you do Aaron Neesmith plus a pick to move to that 11th spot for Ty Ty Washington? I don't know enough about Ty Ty to be honest, so I can't I can't say that I I would do that right now. Um, yeah, I, I just don't know enough. I honestly I, I've been pretty checked out on a lot of draft stuff just because the Celtics don't have a first round pick. I just yeah, want same. them to exploit the Knicks. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I too need to do a deep dive on, on the draft candidates. So I don't, I don't have any comments on that, but um, Neesmith is a guy that I think some team around the league might still be able to believe in. I know he's, he's just in his second year. Uh, he showed enough flashes, I think in year one and enough athleticism in year two, where you might have to reevaluate what he is coming onto your team. And uh, Adam, you talked about this, how you thought he was miscast. You know, he's, he's more of a um, slasher defensive hustle guy versus a knockdown three and D guy. So, you know, if a team sees that and says, oh, we could fit him in here, he fits the way that we like to play basketball. He doesn't necessarily have to be like the best passer in our system. He can just be um, a play finisher in our system. I, th- I think there's a team out there that might take a shot on Neesmith. So I wouldn't give up on him um, as a player nor as an asset. But I don't have any comment on Ty Ty Washington. <laughs> I like Ty Ty Washington. Okay, we're going to wrap it up there. Everybody, please see the the good in this run. It was fantastic. Hey, real, quick, real quick, Adam. It's been a pleasure, boys. It's been a hell of a run. Just want to acknowledge going through this season with the two of you has been an absolute blast. And uh, sad to see it come to an end. Obviously, our podcasting won't come to an end, but the season comes to an end. And uh, really glad I got to, to go through it with the two of you. This was our first full season doing the show together, right? It was. First first full season of the three-man weave. Yeah, we're homies at this point, y'all. I know, it's, 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 it's absolutely crazy to me that we've never met you in person. <laughs> yeah. I like I I feel I feel like you're gonna happen like, in some we, we gotta manifest it will happen, happen. Like, it yeah. will happen. Yeah, you're a, you're a legit you're a legit friend now, which is crazy. You know, we're we don't it's just true. podcast together, we we're like actually friends. And the fact that we've like developed this friendship over the past is wild to me. But we, we love you, home. man. We lo- I love you guys too, man. And we will like once the the planes stop costing as much as what they do at the moment <laughs> to fly. Uh I will be there, but at the moment, apparently gas is expensive, so planes are expensive. Everywhere, yep. Bro, like, like flights are double. So, and I mean, if you want to, if anyone owns a boat and they want to take me, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm down. As long as you get me somebody to hold me so I can do the jack, you know. Hold me, Jack. No, I, I'm cool. I'll come on the boat. Come back. Come back. But I'm not doing the sinking part, and I'm telling you this now. If we're in the water and there's some floating wood and it fits one of us, yeah, that's me. Um, <laughs> okay, let, let, let's be real. That would survival fit, of the fittest. That that would fit both of them. He did not need to stay in that water. Yeah. Nah, not at all, man. But you know, back then chivalry was still alive. Yo, chivalry not alive no more, bro. I'm taking that <laughs> <up. laughs> uh, joking aside, obviously. Um yeah, no, it's been this season has been great, man. Uh I've, it's been a weird one for me personally, but it's also been amazing. And like I said, you guys are my homies at this point. You know, we talk off the pod, we text. I couldn't have think thought of two better people to do this through the season with. And uh, next year, we're coming back with bigger and better things. I say next year, we'll be back on Monday. I know, like, that, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, like it's like, in the future, we'll have a TPE episode coming Monday. Let's talk about TPE candidates for the next year. Because I'm, I'm looking at it now, like, the two biggest TPEs, one expires in two weeks, the other one expires in a month. So we, we've got to hit those topics while they're available. Yeah, so we're like, yo, we've had a great year. We're looking forward to next year. But on Monday, it's the off-season, baby. <laughs> We're going to get into it. So, yeah, uh, it's been a great run. We can say that. But everybody, if you've enjoyed the show, please interact with us. I've had some 
large amounts of negativity on social media these past few days. It'd be nice to have some positivity come my way. Make sure you go and show some love to Greg and show some love to Will. And we'll be back again on Monday with some off-season podcasting. We're playing. We're playing catch up, man. Most teams have been at this for weeks. <laughs> and, know. and who know? Who knows, man? Maybe this off season, it'll be the three man weave will be back on a more uh, frequent basis. Yeah, yeah, we can make that happen. We can make that happen. All right, y'all. Make sure you tune in on Monday. Deuces. Peace. Ain't disrespecting you haters, I ain't sweating your opinion Y'all been testing my patience, never did it for a check I've been impressed with the famous, just rather be creative Than stressing my wages, ageless Every time I lay a verse down One play at a time, keep it moving like a first down And at the end of the day, I can say that I made this MJ never made it to the majors, still he chased greatness Expected that he might fail, and I might too I might never get to pop champagne Celebrating with the crew, this ain't everything I am it's something that I do